So we're in a series right now called Lost. Lost. We're still in Luke, all right? We're still in Luke, but we are, we are hovering over Luke chapter 15, one of the most popular chapters in all of the scripture. It is the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and the story of the lost son. Now, we did the lost sheep and the lost coin our first week, and we did the prodigal son that everyone knows, all right, last week. So this week and next week, we have the prodigal son part two, or the prodigal brother, or the prodigal who stayed, however you want to do it, all right? And then next week, the real, the real title of what this short story should have been, the story of the loving father, where we get to step into and play out everything that the father actually did in response to children who act like we act. I tell you that to tell you this. Last week probably spoke to a lot of you. This week will, without a doubt, speak to a lot of you too. What you need to understand is in the context of this passage, yes, the story of the prodigal son who goes away and then returns home is one of the most beautiful in all of scriptures. But reading this whole story from one end to the other, we find that the intent of Jesus was not to elaborate on that story, but to elaborate on the story that follows. It's almost like the curtains close, according to Tim Keller, and then read open again in a second act that is there to kind of slap the church people in the face, all right? The Pharisees, the tax collectors, the followers of Jesus, the sinners and the saints have all gathered around and Jesus's ministry 15 chapters in is at its full steam, its full force. It is in motion. He is heading for the cross, but he is doing ministry all by the lakes and the streams and in the towns and in the houses and every is catching on to what is going on and he looks out at them and he tells them one of the most famous stories ever told but deep down inside that is something more because he sets them up they finish part one a little bit shocked a little bit in awe a little bit with their heartstrings pulled but also a little bit angry this isn't how it's supposed to be there are rules there are regulations. We get a little bit upset when we have to do all of the things and all of the things and all of the things and someone can come along and not do all of the things. In fact, they can do all of the wrong things and then Jesus loves them anyway. I mean, that is just not how it's supposed to go. Yet we know that there is the story of, of the parable of the workers in the vineyard, all right? And the parable of the workers in the vineyard is beautiful because you have 6 a.m. people and 9 a.m. people and 12 noon people and 3 o'clock people. And then you have what I lovingly call and I'm thankful for the 5 o'clock people, all right? The short kids, the bald kids, the kids that never got picked first, all right? The littler ones, all right? The ones that don't run as fast, the ones that don't that don't uh, get as popular or wear as good a clothes. And Jesus says in that parable, I want you to pay the one-hour workers the same as you paid the 10, 12-hour workers. And the 10 or 12-hour workers go, well, that's not fair. And that's fine, church, because fair is not in the Bible. One more time for the people in the back. No offense, I'm not calling you out. Listen to me. The word fair 
was not in the Hebrew Scriptures, ever. They didn't have a word for fair. Number two, it's not your gift. There is nobody on this planet that you can buy into heaven, that you can love into heaven. You can't do it. Now, you can love them and they can end up in heaven, but that is because of the free gift of God. It is not your grace to give. And that's exactly what he says to the workers. He says, why are you ticked off? Why'd you get your undies in a wad? That, this is not your money. It's not yours to give. Isn't it okay if I do what I want to do with my money? This father has been, he has been bashed. He has been disrespected. His son has run away. He's lost one of his two boys. That boy is off in the distance with prostitutes, with, 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 with bad people. And he's at home. And he's hurting. And the people have made fun of him because he used to be of high stature in town. But because he now only has half of what he used to have, and your monetary value is what you were based on, still wrong today. He's half the man he used to be, literally. And this boy comes back. This boy comes back. And last week we said he went from give me, give me what is rightfully mine. I actually wish you were already dead, Dad, so that I could have my inheritance. But since you're not, I want my stuff and I want my stuff now. It was disheartening. It was hurtful. It was terrible. It's everything that we do to Jesus. But when he returned after being humbled, when he returned after being broken, when he returned after realizing that having all of the material things in the world matters not if you are not with the Father. Having the best spouse, having the best children, having the best building, having the best home matters not without the Father. He wanted the stuff of the Father without the heart of the Father. But he came back. And the Father didn't send him off. And the Father didn't ask him to go through a list. And the Father didn't send him to 10 steps, 12 steps, 15 steps. He said, here, bring the robe, bring the ring. And we're going to talk more about that next week. Kill the fatted calf. Listen to me. This wasn't just the best cow. This was the prized piece of meat. It wasn't just the prized piece of meat. This was the delicacy of the day. Okay? When he killed the fatted calf, all right, this set into motion a celebration that would include everyone that they knew. It was the most prized piece of meat that they owned, that they'd worked for, and it was to be used one time to celebrate the greatest thing the father could think of. Listen to me. This is the greatest thing the father could imagine. And when it occurred, from out of his heart flowed all that I can do to celebrate, all that I can do to love. I want it and I want everybody to see it. And so the whole town would have come near and the music would have been played 
and the smiles would have been everywhere. And the people who were listening to this are torn somewhere between that ain't fair, that ain't right, that ain't the way we've always learned it, and he should be mad, he should be upset, but he killed the calf, so that's, that's pretty cool, right? And it's almost as if the curtain closes and the music go, goes, goes soft. And then the curtain opens back up again. Because there's, there's one person. There's one person who doesn't know the sons come home. There's one person that doesn't know that the party's going on. We know that because here is what it says. Meanwhile, camera's here, right? Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. Why was he in the field? He was doing everything he was supposed to do. He was feeding the, the cows, noticed one was missing, by the way. He was digging up the manure, checking the plants in the fields, checking on the other animals, getting out in the heat of the day, sweating, working. This guy was the, the child. This, was, this is what we want all of our children to be. He works, he comes in, cooks breakfast, cooks lunch, cooks dinner, takes care of the farm. Dad's sad. Mom's never gotten over it. I'm, I'm running everything now. I, I, I still make it to Sunday school. I still make it to church. I still make sure the family time. I make sure the farm's running. I'm out in the field doing my job. Church, I'm proud of you for showing up three or four times a month to church. I probably should say I'm proud of you for showing up two or three times to church because to be honest with you, according to everything we're reading, that's the norm now. When I was growing up, the norm was two or three times a week, right? You were there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and then if there was something else. Now, the average family that calls themselves a member of a church shows up two to three times a month. A month. I'm going to go ahead and applaud you for that. I'm going to applaud some of you for cleaning. I'm going to applaud some of you for serving. I'm going to applaud some of you for putting up with teenagers. I'm going to applaud some of you for putting up with children. I'm going to applaud many of you for putting up with me. Amen. Again, with the confirmation here. It's happening all day. I applaud you for doing all the dutiful things. And this is where Jesus went. When he came near the house, he saw some dancing. Obviously, they weren't Baptist. <laughs> he called one of the servants and asked him 
what was going on. Ready? Asked him what was going on. He did not know what had happened yet. There's a party. Okay. You'd have thought with all the work I do around here that I'd have known there was a party. You'd have thought with all the work I do and all the care I put into that cow that I would have known it would have been missing. You would have thought that I would have known if everybody in town was going to show up so I could have showered first. But hey, let's figure out what the big deal is. Your brother has come. I'm sorry, what? The party's for what? Your brother's back. And I think about that time, that little loompa took off. You know what I'm saying? I don't think he wanted to be around for what happened next. Your father killed the fatted calf because he's back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. Listen, listen, listen. And refused to go in and refused to go in to what we have established as the very thing which the Father deems to be the greatest victory, the greatest moment, the greatest thing that could have happened both to him and his family and the older brother who has done all the work, done all the right things, followed all of the rules, refuses to come in. And the Father went out and pleaded with him. Look, all these years I have slaved for you, never disobeyed. Now, this is a pretty hefty statement right here. Yet you never gave me a goat, a goat. We're not talking about the cow. We're not talking about the fat goat. A goat, man. I never got a goat. But when this, uh, listen to the phraseology, not when my brother, not when a member of our family, when this son of yours, and spouses, don't you, don't you think for a minute that some of y'all haven't said that sometime. Do you realize what your son did? <laughs> As if in that moment it ain't. That that, like impersonal, when that prostitute thing, that drug-using, harlot-sleeping, home-leaving, when that comes back, that's your big moment. That's your big moment. Son, you are always with me. And everything that I have is yours. Not figuratively, literally, everything that I have left 
is yours. You insolent, arrogant, I got a lot of words that I want to say right now and I shouldn't say. Please come celebrate. We had to celebrate because this brother of yours, no matter how the world characterizes him, oh, catch this, see how the father characterizes him, that brother of yours. Have you ever stared at someone and thought, there's no way God looks upon them and says, that brother of yours, that sister of yours, that human being just like you. The crowd is mortified. Do you know why? Because goodness has become the problem. Wait, what? Good things are not always Jesus is speaking to the good and he is making his point abundantly clear. What was it that the prodigal son number one asked for? What was it he asked for? His share. His share of what? Possessions, belongings, materials. When the older brother, who is following all the rules and doing all the things, comes home to a celebration, something that matters beyond anything that has ever mattered to the father, what is it he focuses on? Stuff. The brother became angry. Look, I've been slaving for you and you never... Gave me. Heard those words before? One is doing all of the wrong things and is separated from the Father. One is doing all the right things and is separated from the Father. One comes home one we don't know and Jesus leaves it that way on purpose remember when I said the far country could be miles or could be inches it's anywhere where the father is not, guess what? The good kid finishes the story in the far country. Why? Because the father's inside the house. And he's outside. Both boys focused on the possessions of the father and had no idea about the heart of the Father. Woo, church! 
I know a lot of people who don't know Jesus but have a lot better inclination to the heart of Him than a lot of good religious folk. The question this morning is, do you know the heart of the Father? And the greatest single roadblock to you coming home, being home, partying at home, knowing God is you. You. For as long as I live, I don't believe I will ever read this passage and not share this illustration. I've probably done it twice here. I've done it a hundred times everywhere else because it's beautiful, you'll remember it, and you need to hear it. There used to be an advice column in the newspaper called Dear Abby. And people would write Dear Abby and Abby would write them a response. And she was, she was pretty forthcoming. And somebody one time, I heard a guy named Ed Kilburn sing this. I'm not going to do that for you. Well, maybe a little. But I don't think he wrote it. But he found it one time and he said, what would happen if the big brother's sitting out on the back porch and he's going, this is not right. I got to get some answers. Dear Abby, dear Abby, my brother's come home. He spent all the money my father had loaned him. He blew it on them women, the cocaine and the beer. And now he's got the nerve to come a-crawling back here. He's from Jessamine County. <laughs> come a-crawling. Dear Abby, dear Abby, well, you ain't heard the half. Dad's gone and he's butchered our prize-winning calf. The one I had to feed while that kid was away. I put a little George Moulton there, didn't I? <laughs> he's in eating steak while I'm out pitching hay. <laughs> dear Abby, dear Abby, I know you don't condone all that permissive preaching we both know comes from all those leftist professors with them liberal degrees while they advocate peace and a nuclear freeze. Dear Abby, dear Abby, isn't it clear my parents are blind to the tendencies here? Please help me, dear Abby, to clear up this mess. He signed it, big brother, and he gave his address. I would say that I'm pausing for effect, but this is old school, so there was no email. Big brother, big brother. Hold on. <laughs> big, you better pick your toes up. Big brother, big brother. Here's my reply. Your little brother was foolish. Now that can't be denied. But a fool that's forgiven is wiser by far than one who's self-righteous and that's just what you are. Oh, that's the end. <laughs> Do you remember eight chapters ago, the 747 principle, when the adulterous woman laying at the feet of Jesus, 
with all the religious folks pointing fingers, gawking while she cries on his dirty, dusty feet, breaks the most expensive thing in her home over his ankles and wipes his feet clean with her hair. If he only knew who was touching him. Oh, he knows. He also knows about your heart. And if you only knew how he feels about you. Here's the thing. Dad wants both sons. All that I have is yours. His insolence, his stupidity, his arrogance, his hypocrisy, none of it matters to the father. Oh, breaks the father's heart but does not take the Father's blessing. All that I have is still yours, you insolent individual. We have lost our ability to celebrate the redeeming, saving work of God. In, this, in Luke chapter 7, here's what it says at the end of that passage. Those who have forgiven little, love little. But those who have been forgiven much, love much. Do you know the heart of the Father? Do you know about the Father? Or do you know the Father? Do you know about your father's business or do you know the heart of your father's business? Do you know how to tend the field or do you understand which fields your father really cares about? The ones that are ripe for harvest. Oh, you can be good without God. The question is, Will you come home? Same as last week. Different set of people. Do you know who this ticked off the most? The preachers. The Pharisees. The religious leaders. Those who thought they were too good to be true. I think they were too good to hear truth. Let's pray. Father, the son was so angry. The son was so bitter. The son was so blinded by the things that hurt him. He was so caught up in his religiosity, in his perfection gaining. He was so offended by the Father's love. He was so offended by what he perceived as the Father's dismissal of him that he pouted. 
God, how many relationships have we lost? How many, how many nights have we not slept? How many arguments have we had? How many yelling and screaming acts have gone on? Because somebody hurt us, stabbed us in the back, talked about us, did something we didn't want them to do, did something we thought was, 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 was supposed to be ours. How many times has unfairness in our hearts led to bitterness in our hearts, led to us missing out on this simple truth? God loves our hearts. God loves our sinful, prideful, prostitute-loving hearts. And the heart of God is for everyone to come home. The heart of God is for everyone to be free. This morning, church, my prayer is that we are free from the dungeon of self-righteousness, that we are free from the dungeon of unfairness, that we are free from the dungeon of our own bitterness. Because here's the deal. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Please don't judge your neighbor because they sin differently from you. God, take us, make us, and break us so that we're able to come inside and celebrate with the Father. In Jesus' name, amen.